Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. I remember a funny story my aunt once told me when she sent her first little girl off to Sunday school with a quarter for the offering plate, and she admonished her to give that coin to the dear Lord. When my aunt picked her up later that morning, she noticed that her daughter still had the quarter in her hand, and she asked her, why didn't you give that quarter to the dear Lord? And her daughter replied, well, I looked for him, and he wasn't there. And you can find an even better story in an, an old issue of the Guidepost Christmas Treasury that you could listen to over and over. It's the story of a young na- man named Paul, and it was the Christmas season, and Paul had received a special pre-Christmas gift from his brother. It was a beautiful brand new car. On Christmas Eve, when Paul came out of his office, a street kid was walking around the shiny new car, admiring it. And when Paul went to get into the car, the kid asked him, Mr., is this your car? And when Paul replied that it was, that his brother had given it to him for Christmas, the boy said, you mean your brother gave it to you and it didn't cost you anything? Free? For nothing? Gosh, I wish... And the boy hesitated, and and Paul knew what he was about to say. He had heard it many times over the past few days. He was going to wish he had a brother like that. But what the boy said jarred Paul all the way down to his toes. I wish, the boy went on, that I could be a brother like that. I like this story because it takes me by surprise. And I realized that more often than not, I would prefer to have a brother like that than to be a sister or a brother like that. I like this story because deep down in my heart, I do want to be a sister like that. And what about you? What would you prefer be said about you, that you had a brother like that or that you are a brother or sister like that? It's a good question when we're entering the season of stewardship. Well, the story about my aunt and little cousin, as well as the young boy, and the question I posed are not far from Jesus' teaching that we find in Matthew 25, which we call the parable of the talents. Now, we can understand parables as riddles. Jesus told more than 50 of them, and riddles are a great way to get us to think in expansive ways. They disrupt the natural places that our minds tend to go, and their endings are often surprising. This parable is part of Jesus' eschatological discourse in Matthew. Eschatological is a big word that means dealing with end things. Jesus, in the section of Matthew's gospel and and through the parables, is instructing his disciples to endure through difficult times and to live in anticipation of his return. And as they wait, Jesus has instruction for how they are to live. And since Jesus hasn't come back yet as the fulfillment of all things, this instruction is for us 
as well on how to live in this time between times. So first of all, a talent is a specific weight of silver worth about $1,000. This is how the disciples would have understood it. Anyway, we're, we're told that the first slave receives five times as much as the last, and the, the middle got two. Now know that the three of them each receives a significant amount of money. A talent is equal to 6,000 denarii. And since one denarius is a common laborer's daily wage, a talent would be roughly equivalent to 20 years' wages for the average worker. Five talents, the largest amount entrusted to any of the servants, is comparable to 100 years' work of labor, a huge amount of money. Now, we often understand the word talents, as used here, as gifts God has given to us for use in the body of Christ to serve our brothers and our sisters. And while this isn't the original meaning in our text today, it does raise for us the question, what has God given to us to invest? Which corresponds to the talents given to the service in the the parable. In other words, our challenge today is to emulate the master by using all that God has given us for the sake of the kingdom. That's our take-home message today in a nutshell. You see, God has entrusted portions of God's estate to us to steward on God's behalf until the final return. Now, one thing we know from the parables in this section of Matthew's gospel is that they, they deal with the certain return of the master, but they never give any specific timing or dates of the master's return. And this is actually a theme that the lectionary prescribes early every Advent, which is coming soon. We're called to always be prepared, but a word to the wise here, never believe anyone who predicts dates about Jesus' return. Since the year 50 AD, there have been at least 53 well-published predictions with, with most of them exploding and proliferating after 1988 when Hal Lindsey published his best-selling book, The Late Great Planet Earth. So it's funny how date setting gets so much press, but how the deepest meaning in Jesus' parables doesn't make the bestseller lists. What's important here is that after a long absence, the master returns and discovers what each servant has done with the master's property. The first two slaves do business with the master's talents and double his money. Although the first slave earned more than the second, each has done remarkably well with what he has been given. They've performed according to their potential, and they have been faithful to do what the master required of them. The master's response to each is the same. He commends the slaves for being good and faithful servants, entrusts them with more authority, and invites them to enter into his joy. But then there's the third slave. He doesn't do so well. The master even reprimands the servant for failing to invest the money with the bankers so that he might have gained interest, 
which interestingly was a practice forbidden in Exodus 22 and Leviticus 25. This slave took no risks at all and acted completely in self-interest. He admits that he was afraid to lose the master's money. To protect himself, he buried the talent in the ground. And I know that sounds odd to us, but back then, burying treasure was a common thing to do. We get the sense that the master had expected this slave to take some risk with what he had been given, but this slave was more interested in his own well-being. We learn that the master was a bit of a risk taker too, and he wanted the servants to emulate this behavior. Now, I've often heard it said, and I'm sure you have too, that there's no payoff without risk. In other words, you can't win if you don't play. Faith and trust, qualities God wants for us, are impossible to exercise without some risk. Notice that the servant who received one talent was not condemned for failing to reach the five-talent goal that the other did. He was condemned because he did nothing with what he was given. He hoarded his talent. You realize that all of what we have are gifts from God. All of our skills and our abilities, our social connections, our positions, our education, our experiences, and so on. The point is we are to use whatever we have been given for God's purposes. And I think today of our friend Joyce, who used her, uses her God-given talent, her musical talent, to do great things for God's kingdom. And she's going to clarify with you in a bit exactly what she's retiring from. I, I got it wrong. So she will, will tell you in a little bit. God wants us to invest our lives and not to waste them. There are severe consequences, you see, to the unproductive servant. Now, I know that not everyone has a lot of money to give for the sake of the kingdom, and that's why we say that the volunteer who leads ministries at the church is fulfilling this parable. The person who signs up again and again to do simple tasks at church, the one who nurtures newcomers, who other settings, um, who in other settings starts new businesses and gives well-paying jobs to others, who initiates campaigns, benefiting the sick and needy and so on, is fulfilling this parable. We also notice in this parable that God does not endow people with identical or necessarily equal gifts. And God does not expect identical or necessarily equal results from everyone's work. I used to think that God was much more enamored with pastors, with big churches and ministries, but I've since learned that God is enamored when we earnestly go about in our quiet, faithful work in our own, albeit smaller, spheres of influence. After all, in the parable, one servant makes a return of five talents, while another makes two. The master praises both equally. What God doesn't like is the passivity of the third servant. The first two servants invest for the benefit of their master, and they return to him not only his original investment, but also what they make on his behalf. 
We're all privileged to be entrusted with talents and resources and the opportunities to work toward God's purposes in the world. When we do so, we take our place among all the faithful, trustworthy servants of God, no matter how big or small our accomplishments may seem. And of course, all of this is antithetical to ego, which is evident when we only use our talents, resources, and opportunities for our personal wealth and our personal recognition. My friends, the, the message Jesus gives his disciples is clear. It will be worth it in the end to live as a faithful steward. We will enter into God's joy. God only asks that we try and is most concerned with our motives. We can trust God with all outcomes. So I want to end with this short excerpt in a, from this delightful, provoking book entitled God is No Fool by Lewis, or Lois A. Cheney. Once a man said, if I had some extra money, I'd give it to God, but I have just enough to support myself and my family. And the same man said, if I had some extra time, I'd give it to God, but every minute is taken up with my job my family, my clubs, and what have you, every single minute. And the same man said, if I had a talent, I'd give it to God, but I have no lovely voice. I have no special skill. I've never been able to lead a group. I can't think cleverly or quickly the way I would like to. And God was touched. And although it was unlike him, God gave that man money time and a glorious talent. And then God waited and waited and waited. And then after a while, he shrugged his shoulders, and God took all those things right back from the man, the money, the time, and the glorious talent. After a while, the man sighed and said, if I only had some of that money back, I'd give it to God. If I only had some of that time, I'd give it to God. If I could only rediscover that glorious talent, I'd give it to God. And God said, oh, shut up. <laughs> and the man told some of his friends, you know, I'm not so sure that I believe in God anymore. You think he missed the point, if not the mark? My friends, we're all called to steward wisely, most wisely all that God gives us, all of our health and energy and days on planet Earth belong to God, who calls us to love of neighbor. Let us be a brother or sister like the one who gives that brother a car. Let us invest in this life and not sit back passively, hoarding our talents and holes, afraid of any risk. Let us one day approach heaven with as little baggage as possible. The world desperately needs what we have to give. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online giving. Beatitudes Radio empowering people to enrich society.